This episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by Squarespace and Lynda.com. My name is Mike Hurley, and my favorite album is Whatever People Say I Am, That's What I'm Not by the Arctic Monkeys. So, I figured it was probably about time that I contributed my favorite album to the mix. People ask for me to do it, and I wanted to do it, and I thought it would be especially fun to do it uh, during our one-year anniversary week at Relay FM, which we are currently in, which is fantastic. And I, when I wanted to do this, there was some, one person that I really wanted to interview me, and that's Federico Vatici. Hi, Federico. Hey, Mike. I'm really pleased that you did this. Such an honor for me to be able to ask you questions. Well, I I have a lot to say about this album, um, and I know it's an album that you love, and we both Mm -hmm. share similar tastes in music. So I wanted you to be the one to to do this with me, because I know that you can. I have faith in you. It is kind of strange to... I feel like sitting from the wrong side of the desk... You know, like I'm asking you questions. <laughs> Such a pressure for me. Anyway, Mike, tell me, um, why, why this album? Why, why, why did you pick this album? Why do you want to talk about this one specifically? Like, what is it that made you pick this album from, from the Arctic Monkeys? In John Syracuse's style, uh, I will mix this question with an opening statement that I want to make about this choice. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so I I knew it was going to be an Arctic Monkeys album. Um mm. because that just made sense to me. Um one of my it's one of my favorite bands, uh one of the bands that defined my sort of growing up into adulthood. Um but I really struggled between this album, which is their debut album, and their mm-hmm. most recent album, which is called AM. Oh really? Yeah. So Huh. The reason that I struggled with this, so from the album title, Whatever People Say I Am, That's What I'm Not, is too long. So from henceforth, I will refer to it as whatever. So whatever is the classic, like that is their debut. It is, you know, the album that obviously propelled them to superstardom. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's an incredible album in and of itself. And I love it very much. Obviously, I picked it as my favorite. But I also really love AM. Um, and I think that AM is their best musical achievement as a band. Um, I don't know if it's better lyrically, which is what I care about more, not completely. But uh, I actually think that AM is the uh, is the album that they were kind of born to make. Like you can see that when you draw the line between whatever and AM, you can see how they've grown as a band because. In between there were like three other albums which were kind of good and their first and fifth albums are their best albums. Uh, so I have I've, so much to say. <laughs> <laughs> I really struggled with the choice. and But the reason that I ended up going with whatever instead of AM is simply because my nostalgia for their first mm-hmm. album. Like I have a great nostalgia for it. It, to- it, it perfectly tells the story of a time in my life at the same time like the same age that they were and the kinds of things that they were going through the same kinds of things I was going through and I wonder how maybe in another five years time how I will view this as to to what album I will think is the best then but but right now my favorite is whatever their first album 
Don't you think that... I mean, because Whatever and AM are two really different albums. Yeah. Don't you think they're kind of... In general, the band has become a little softer with, with the years? Like, AM is not as energetic as whatever. No, but AM has a different style to it that shows their maturity. So, like... Hmm. The 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 music in uh, AM is more heavy and darker, and yeah. it is more it's more mature. It's more it's more complex. Uh, it is more of an achievement musically. Um, and some of the songs are as clever, if not cleverer, than some of the debut songs as well sure. lyrically. Yeah. And and I think that it shows their growth. Um, but what but whatever has an edge and rawness to it, which yeah. so it's like they're both great for what they're great for, but they're very different from each other. Yeah, true. There's, there's, I, I feel like there's an anger in whatever, and there's more of a, more of a reflection on maybe growing up and maybe a, a bit of cynicism in AM. Exactly. You know, which is why they're both really important to me because they're kind of like. Both <laughs> it reflects your life, really, exactly. basically. Right, but mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. I need now the nostalgia to kick in mm-hmm. for AM, yeah. which it obviously hasn't yet because it's now. I need to wait another five years before I can make the, my decision between those two albums. I think. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this question, Mike. Yeah. What was the, because this is one of those memories that I that I remember as if it was yesterday. What was the first song? you heard from Arctic Monkeys and I I'm 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 assuming it's one of the songs from this album. Yeah, it uh, was. And it was uh from the Ritz to the Rubble. Oh. Do you remember how, when, where? I heard from the Ritz to the Rubble uh probably on their MySpace page. Um which, wow. and so I my my feeling is that was the song. But it could have easily been Fake Towns of San Francisco as well mm-hmm. um i know it's one of those two and i believe it to be from the rest of the rubble but i know that the way i came into contact with both of those songs were from their myspace page which i'll talk about a little bit more in a bit it's still the the, the myspace page is still available by the way <laughs> oh excellent <laughs> if you, i just opened the, the myspace page and not, <laughs> not sure what i'm looking at uh apparently it uses flash which i don't have installed but uh i do remember arctic monkeys and then like the first time that i that I got to know him. Basically, um, uh, a friend of mine, his sister, um, basically this friend of mine has a, has a, his dad is from London and, but he's Italian. He was born in Rome and, but his dad exposed him to British culture, uh, since a very young age. So his sister, who is a couple of years, a couple of years older uh, than us, uh, she, she used to travel to London frequently when we were in high school. She was about 20 or 21. And she had a passion like us to, you know, to going to concerts and, uh, discover new bands and that kind of stuff. And she came back, um, during, uh, maybe it was our third or fourth year of high school. It was early 2007, I would say. Or maybe actually it was early 2006, I don't know, but whatever was supposed to come out a few months later. So it was before whatever. And she had a, she had a CD. Uh, and she was like, uh, this is a new band that's basically, it's going to be the next big thing in, in the UK. 
you guys gotta listen to this new band. And we got hooked on the, on the demos for, um, the songs that would eventually become the track, the tracks of whatever, uh, and also other songs like, uh, Cigarette Smoker Fiona. I don't know if you remember that one, Mike. Um, so we, we, we started listening to the demos on this CD and we copied, we, we burned the CD <laughs> for the entire classroom because we were a group of friends. We were into the same kind of music. And I'm pretty sure the fir- the very first song was the, that I heard was the demo of, um, when the sun goes down. Okay. Uh, and, and I was so already into Arctic Monkeys when the demos hit, uh, you know, you, you could find them on the internet. You could find them from people who went to the concerts. Uh, when, when whatever was supposed to come out, I pre-ordered the CD <laughs> at a local record store and I still own my original copy. <laughs> so yeah, but it was when the sun goes down and, and I feel like, you know, that kind of energy speaks to, spoke to me at least when I was younger. So that, that is exactly like the, the idea of the EPs and all that sort of stuff. This was yeah. where they started out so arctic monkeys um i think they got together in like 2004 2005 yeah. and they started playing um shows and gigs uh in and around the uk uh more so in, in the north of england they're from sheffield and they would have been playing a lot more gigs there and basically what happens is they what happened was they were creating um eps the most notable of them was called i think it was called under the boardwalk um, yeah, and beneath the boardwalk. Beneath the boardwalk. That's it. And what what would happen was people would buy these, and then they would at the gigs, and they would put them onto file sharing services, yeah. um, and eventually onto MySpace. The, the the band's very very famous MySpace page was not actually uh, originally owned and run by the band. It was a fan page. Um, and but the thing was, they did nothing, and their eventual record label, uh, Domino didn't do anything to remove them and that was purposeful because Mm -hmm. what happened was um the arctic monkeys became very famous very successful and had a lot of buzz about them before their first album came out because their music was so easy to get um you could download Mm -hmm. it from their myspace page you could download it from file sharing services like kazar and limewire and things like that and it was in good quality so there was an incredible buzz about them. Uh, they were very, very highly anticipated by many people. Um, and their album came out in January 2006. I actually got a copy of the album in advance um, from one of the file sharing services. Uh, it was leaked in advance. I did buy a CD and I also own a vinyl copy as well of the album, as I do with many of the albums that, that I love. Um, I buy them on vinyl record. I do have a uh, record player so i can play them that's not just decorative uh and their album their this original album the one we're talking about today became the fastest selling debut album in uk chart history it sold 363,735 copies in the first week um, and it was released in january 2006 uh so it went obviously straight to number one it was number one for a while i actually don't believe to this day that there has been an album in uk history which has sold uh, as many as that sold. So, you know, it sold more yep. than the original Beatles album did in its first week, for example. You know, like this this was... Even more than definitely maybe by Oasis. Yeah, 
there was an incredible amount of buzz about this band. And by the time it had come out, that buzz, that excitement, that anticipation reached outside of kids on the internet. Um, because the radio was very, you know, everyone was excited in this country about this band. They, they were, you know, they were loved by young kids and they were by 20 year olds, 30 year olds, 30 year olds, 40 year olds, you know, people were, were very excited about this band. Um, the album came out in America. A month later, it entered, entered at number 24 on the Billboard chart, and it sold 34,000 units in its first week. That actually made it the second fastest selling debut for an indie rock album in America at that time. Oh, wow. Nice. So, it, you know, it's number two, and it's a little more niche because it's like indie rock, but it still had something. But now this album has sold over 2 million copies worldwide. So <laughs> it is a very, very successful album. Now, when I first heard the album, even though I really liked the band and I was really excited about them, I liked the album, but for whatever reason, it didn't click like immediately with me. Um, hmm. And I actually came back to it a few months later and became obsessed with it because of the, some of the things that happened to me around that time. So in January 2006, at the end of that month, I turned 18 years old. And being 18 years old... Uh, and liking this album kind of really meshed together for me. So when I turned 18, I was going out in clubs in London. Um, I was drinking mm-hmm. more. You know, I was started drinking a couple of years earlier with some friends, as you do. Uh, but I was going out to nightclubs and stuff like that. And I started to care more about music. I started to experience the nightlife in London. Um, and this album, for me is like a love album to clubbing in the UK. Mm-hmm. That is what I see this album as. One of the huge themes that runs through this album is going to nightclubs with friends. It, yeah. it permeates throughout the whole album. Um, and where it's, where it's not about that, it tends to be about nightlife in some form, um, with only a couple of exceptions. And so... When I ended up coming back to that album, I was able to relate more to the lyrics, which was what really made it stick for me and became probably the album I have heard more in my life than any other album. Um, I continue to listen to this album very, very regularly. Um, I listen to the Arctic Monkeys regularly, but especially in listening to these two albums uh, that I wanted to pick from recently... Over the past few weeks, I've been listening to it just every day, like it, and it continues to just be an absolute masterpiece. And I'm still finding things in it that I didn't know were there before. Um, I'm still like finding what? lyrics. There are little, there are little lyrical turns uh, which I am still finding new meaning in uh, mm-hmm. that I didn't before. Or there are ones where I'm where I'm realizing correct lyrics, you know, that that weren't there before. I'm going to talk about some of those in a bit, um, and it's just for me continues to be an album that that I just hold so dear to me because it means so much to me. Yeah, I, and then for me, I think the the ability for Alex Turner, he was like 20 or 21 um, when when the album came out. Uh, these kinds of lyrics from a 20 year old there was some some kind of genius in in many of the songs i remember like reading the reviews for the album on on enemy and, and other websites and all of them were basically just talking about 
the lyrics of the songs and, and the, the kind of surprising ability for a 20 year old to be able to write these kind of songs. So I wanted, because my English wasn't so good back then, I wanted to ask you as a British person, what do you think, what do you think today and maybe what you thought back then of the lyrics in, in, in whatever. So obviously Alex Turner, the lead singer of the band, as you mentioned, wrote all these songs. Um, he's written every Arctic Monkeys song. Uh, he has had help with a couple. Um, and there's one song on AM, which was adapted from a poem. Uh, but he writes them all. And he is one of the greatest lyricists of our generation. He has the ability to write great pop songs, write great rock songs. He can write songs that sound really good, have great rhyming and lyrical flourishes. And he pulls out these little... Uh, interesting tidbits and plays on language but he also can write songs with incredible meaning to them um and you know he can he can get at something on a very surface level um but can also really go deep into something which you as i say you don't even necessarily realize uh and being someone who is a lover of lyrics over music i appreciate his talent um immensely he is an absolute powerhouse of of songwriting. Mm -hmm. Do you, what's your what's your lyrical highlight from from this album? Oof. Okay, that is <laughs> that is difficult. I'm looking through now because I have many notes on my favorite songs. Oh, I actually know what it is. So it's from Fake Tales of San Francisco. Okay. Um, so I'm going to start talking about my favorite tracks now. You've done this to me. So Fake Towns of San Francisco is the third song on the album um, and is one of the first that I heard. Uh, and the song is about people um, lying to get girls. So it's people that are telling lies about where they come from. Um, and they're mm -hmm. saying that they've either, they either come from San Francisco or they visit San Francisco. And that is a way to try and impress girls. Like, I'm so important, I go to San Francisco. And he's the, the, the song world is set inside of a, a nightclub or a bar where there are, there is live music being played. So he's just finished singing about the band that are on stage. And they've got glasses of white wine and they're wearing trilby hats. So they're like complete mockery of the type of band that they are raining against at this time so it's like indie what were called scenesters at the time before hipsters mm -hmm. and they were like this 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 type of, of band that cared a lot about how they looked it's basically like the glam rock version of indie music um, they super yeah. cared what they looked like and that was one of the defining things and they would drink wine on stage and they would wear stupid hats and wear long scarves I'm pretty sure he's making he's making fun of Razor Light and <laughs> Johnny Burrow. Completely, yeah. It's that type of band, if not them. Yes. Uh, and they were exactly who I had in my mind as I was making that. Also thinking of The Cribs as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah. they actually wrote a song called Hey Scenesters, which they were kind of yeah. mocking themselves, which was quite stupid. And uh, <laughs> so he's just singing about this band, and then there's this line, all the weekend rock stars are in the toilets practicing their lines. Yeah, now, yeah. what makes this out this this lyric my favorite is such how such beautiful imagery it is, but from both sides of the coin. So, on one side, you've got 
people that are getting ready to perform. They're in the bathroom. They're pra- they're like practicing their lyrics in front of the mirror, which is a very beautiful image. But what I what is the real image? I believe is the idea that these people are weekend rock stars. So they're posers. Yeah. They are people who have jobs in the week and they've dressed like rock stars on the weekend and they're doing cocaine in the bathroom. Yeah, they're practicing their lines. And that for me is just what makes him an absolute genius um, when it comes to writing. And whilst we're talking about this song, there is uh, there is another uh, the way that this song ends. Um, it's in a. They do this quite a lot. The songs build to a fiery crescendo, um, mm-hmm. and Alex paints the picture of the end, uh, like basically over, over, like the overall theme of the song at the end when he says, "He talks to San Francisco. He's from Hunter's Bar, which is a place in the north of England. I don't quite know the distance, but I'm sure that's far. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's pretty far." And that, then it go, then there's like a few more verses and then it ends, but it's just like a great way of saying it. Like, you know, I know this guy's from Hunter's Bar and it doesn't matter how far it is to me. I just know it's far away. <laughs> and so he can't know of San Francisco. That song has some great flourishes in it, as many do, but that one about the practicing their lines is just so fantastic. Because the first time you realize that, what they're singing about, it's like a mind-blown moment. Yeah, and, and it's such an... Like, the two sides of the coin, I guess it could be applied also to all the songs in this album, because you could listen to the songs from a music... On a simple musical level, the energy and the guitars... But also if you want to look at the lyrics, and it's got this whole other layer of meanings, you know? Yep. And so for me, I remember back then when I was 18, uh, I just listened to the music. And and I, f- I felt like it was like something that I never heard before. You know, this kind of energy in the indie rock space. Because a lot of the other bands, like The Creeps and Razorlight and all these those other guys... They generally sounded the same. Arctic Monkeys was really different. And later in life, I would go back and read the lyrics of the songs and I, and I discovered, you know, all these themes and sub, sub messages and this kind of stuff. But back then I, I was all about the music. So hearing you talk about, you know, the lyrics, it kind of, it brings back memories for me as well. And uh, I wanted to ask you, Mike, before we continue to talk about your favorite songs, do you remember being not necessarily annoyed, but maybe surprised by the difference between the demos and the mixtapes and the EPs and the final quality of the album? They are different. Um, and the the before the album, uh, I knew all of these songs, and I actually... Because I think for many years, even though I owned the CD, the the version that I listened to was the version that I had. Now, mm-hmm. the version that I had was comprised of um, EPs, it was comprised of demo versions, and then the original versions. Like, for many years, I didn't know that From the Ritz to the Rubble was on this album. Uh, because on the version that I had for many years, it wasn't on there. 
it's, it wasn't on either the original track listing, which is where they got it from, or they just didn't put it on there. So from the Ritz to the Rubble, mm-hmm. I always knew of as a demo until a couple of years ago. I just thought that it was just a demo or a B-side, and it ended up being one of the album tracks, as it actually was an album track. Um, and there are some... Some of the quality was different, um, and I preferred the demo versions just because they were the ones that I knew and there were some lyrics that are different um, so in When the Sun Goes Down they made a lyrical change um, which yeah. is I actually prefer but it was weird so there's just this one moment um, when they're going like they say it changes when the sun goes down and then in the version that I know most Alex says again and they say it changes he just repeats the line uh, but in the the album version he says they say it changes when the sun goes down over the river going out of town. And it's just, I don't know why, but just the change was just weird to me. Is that the change mm-hmm. that you remember? Yes. And yes. I don't know why they did it, but they did it. Um, and I remember the first time I ever heard that was when I saw them play live. And huh. it well, at least it was the first time I noticed it properly for whatever reason. I, uh... I remember buying the CD, going home, putting the CD into my CD player, listening to the songs and being, wow, like I could spot so many differences. I was like, why am I annoyed? Why does this disturb me? And I guess it was the fact that I was so into the, the, you know, the CD that I got from, from my friend's sister, uh, but it it didn't take long for, for the album version to kind of you know, captivate me. And from a studio recording level, it was so much better, of course. course. And I also started to appreciate the little differences, you know, with the rhythm and the lyrics. Um, But yeah, that was the biggest difference, perhaps, in When the Sun Goes Down. Exactly the same. So even though I am the guest, Federico, I do still need to take a break here to talk about our first sponsor of this week. And that is Dot. They are the online learning platform that has over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash inquisitive. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash inquisitive. Lynda.com is for problem solvers. It's for people that are curious and who want to make things happen. Whether you're looking to master Excel, whether you're looking to learn how to develop iPhone apps, you need to learn iPhone app development, or you want to learn Swift. Maybe you want to learn negotiation tactics to help you better in the workplace. Maybe you want to learn body language skills so you can help understand how people are reacting to you during important meetings. Maybe you want to build a website, boost your Photoshop skills, maybe learn Adobe Illustrator. Maybe you want to make you know some great-looking icons for an app that you're working on. Maybe you want to make some fantastic album cover artwork for your latest EP. Lynda.com can help you. You can go there and feed your curious mind. The videos that you choose to watch, of which there are thousands as I mentioned on hundreds of different topics, they're all taught to you by top experts, people who are super passionate about teaching. You can stream these thousands of courses on demand. You can uh, learn at your own pace. You can learn wherever you want as well. They have great iPhone and Android apps that are there to help you if you want to watch a great video 
on the bus on the way to work, for example. When you're watching on the web, you can browse along with each course with their transcripts. So you can follow along. You can search for an answer in a video and skip back to it at a later point. This also really helps if you need to refer to something later on. You can create and save playlists of all your courses as well, and you can uh, choose which videos you want to watch and in which order. They're all broken down into bite-sized chunks, and you can kind of split them up as you like. And once you create the playlists of the way that you want to learn, you can also share these with friends, colleagues, and family members as well. Your Lynda.com membership is going to give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, go ahead and visit Lynda.com slash inquisitive as lynda.com slash inquisitive and sign up for your free 10-day trial. Thank you so much to Lynda.com for their support of this show. So you you went to you you saw Arctic Monkeys, uh, in during the first year, live no, playing. No, I didn't. Okay. I saw them uh, in the first time I saw them was the tour for uh, their second album. Well, so there you go. Same. <laughs> I, the first time I saw them was one of their first shows for the favorite worst nightmare tour. So the album hadn't actually been out long, but like with the first album, I got a copy in advance from. Uh, like music sharing sites uh, and I actually have for all of their albums uh, except AM um, I got a copy in advance by looking online for them mm-hmm. um, yeah. and that was what I would do a lot and, and that was my main thing for music uh, piracy wasn't trying to get music for free it was getting oh, yeah. the albums I was excited about sooner because <laughs> I would buy them on iTunes because this was a time yes. in my life where I had my first iPod and I would buy, you know, I would spend about 20, uh, 30 pounds a week on music. Um, I had a part-time job and I would just buy whatever new albums came out on a Tuesday that I was interested in. Uh, so I just wanted to get the stuff that I wanted sooner. Um, and I saw them on one of their shows at the Alexandra Palace in London, uh, which is a really big indoor venue. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen Arctic Monkeys uh, four or five times, and watching them over the years um, is very interesting. They were very awkward when I saw them the first time. Yes. Uh, yes. They they were trying to make jokes and interact with the crowd, and it was very weird. Uh, a lot of the time they were talking to each other rather than addressing the audience. And now yeah. if you watch the character that uh, that Alex Turner plays when he's on stage oh, now, yeah. it is a yeah. very different person. And many people that love the band do not like this this current version of I Alex Turner. I am one of those people. <laughs> but I love him. I love him no. in this way. He dresses like a, like a rockabilly. Um, no, and no. Many no. people <laughs> kind of say that he is impersonating Elvis. Um, yes. But I think that... I think it's fantastic. I think he has a confidence on stage, which I which I think is rarely shown. And I think that it is a great... It perfectly matches the um, the aesthetic of the album. Like, for example, what's something that people really don't like, but I appreciate for a different reason, is uh, for all of the new songs, um, all of the songs from AM, uh, Alex doesn't play guitar. Uh, he has somebody come on stage to play his guitar for him so he can play frontman. But on the most recent tour, which I saw them twice, uh, he takes the guitar back for all of the stuff pre-AM. So I really like that. I like that he made that decision because he wants to be the front man, but he 
kind of addresses it as a line in the sand moment that anything before this album he plays his old character and anything past he plays a new character and he does because the thing is now seeing arctic monkeys you feel like you're actually getting what you paid for because in the earlier days um they were very awkward and it, and for me it detracted from the experience and i saw them uh th- i i do think actually i've seen them five times and i saw them three times before i am and two times after um and whilst they got better over time their awkwardness was kind of off-putting but now they they kind of give you the whole package they're a good band to see live as well as playing the excellent music when before it's felt like they kind of didn't want to be there um and as an audience member that can feel a bit strange you absolutely nailed the different perspectives that we have in regard to how Arctic Monkeys were and are on stage. I am one of those people who preferred the awkward version of the Arctic Monkeys, and now I just see somebody playing a character on stage, whereas when I, when I, when I follow a band through the years, I want to feel like I'm watching the same person, not a character version of that person, evolve through the years and stay consistent. I'm using as an example Liam Gallagher. He's not a, you know, he's not a character. That's just Liam, and he's always been that way. And with Alex Turner, you could see this major difference between the original and the character. And I love the music. I love the recent music. I just don't like the character on stage, and that's why I I didn't go to the recent tours, and I don't watch the YouTube videos because I just feel annoyed and kind of. No, you need to see it. Trust me, because as well now, like so. The thing is, when I say character, this I I assume that this is a lot of who he is. I just mean like the person that he is, the character that he is, is different, and I think that it's in line with the music. So like originally, like they couldn't give an interview for years, and they wouldn't go to award shows and stuff like that. They just wouldn't do it um, because they were too awkward. And now they do. I've seen them accept awards. I was at the Brit Awards. Um, last year maybe the year before where there was the thing you know if you follow them where uh, Alex Turner drops the mic on stage he says this great like line about where basically they won best album and uh-huh. they won best album against a, bo- a bunch of R&B and pop acts and he ta- he basically said how rock and roll's not dead and dropped it and dropped the mic I remember that. I was yeah. in the audience for that which was everyone you around were? me thought it was disgraceful I thought it was amazing I remember and so, like, for yeah. me, that was incredible because that was what I love about them. Uh, you know, that they have this confidence in themselves now, and I like that. And, and I think that that comes out in the new music. But the new tour now, they have pyrotechnic, they have uh, confetti, like, but it works so well. So, like, during one of the new songs on the new album, Could I Want to Be Yours, they have, like, these confetti cannons going off for the whole time. It's fantastic. Like, it, you're going to see more of a show now because they're not playing little nightclub venues anymore. They are playing arenas and... and festival grounds and stuff like that but anyway this is a massive diversion can we talk about the tracks we can i just wanted to say that for me the awkwardness i didn't it wasn't off-putting i just what i remember is i was looking at these guys and they're super awkward but my feeling was my goodness how is it possible for these four five awkward guys to make this awesome incredible strong not awkward music for me it was like the opposite reaction but anyway Mike, what's your next favorite track? So it's difficult for me to rank them. So 
I don't want to talk about every and song. Let's not rank them. Let's not rank them. Just talk about a song that you like. So I want to go through them in order. Um, it's going to sound like I'm talking about all the songs, but I'm not. Uh, so let's let's start with well, a view that's from. Okay. <laughs> let's start with the view from the afternoon, which is the the opener of the album, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. The this is such an incredible open because it like just powers right out of the gate. It kicks you in the face um, because the guitars and the drums are heavy there, and then Alex Turner's lyrics bite into it. And he, one of the great things about the Arctic Monkeys at the time um, is they were spearheading. They were right at the forefront of a trend in British music, especially in indie music, where people weren't afraid or ashamed of their regional accents. So, uh, the Arctic Monkeys are from the north of England, as I said, and their Sheffield accent really comes through. And this is something that practically every indie rock band in the UK has now. They just use, they just, they do not shy away from their accent. And this comes through with the Arctic Monkeys in a couple of different ways. You can hear it when they sing, but they also use colloquialisms and speak words in the same way that they would if they were talking. So they don't, you know, in a word that they might make like take two words and put it into one they use those and they use things like int you know instead of like isn't it and things like that which are very specific in the way that they're said to the part of england that they're from and this along with you know he's at least in this first album especially like he has a very biting like loud singing um and and it really comes across and he paints a great picture in this song there's one one of my favorite verses of this song, which also really shows the time that it comes from and why this album is so beautifully nostalgic to me. So I'll, I'll read this verse. And she won't be surprised and she won't be shocked when she's pressed the star after she's pressed unlock. And there's verse and chapters sat in her inbox. And all that it says is that you drank a lot. And you should bear that in mind tonight bear that in mind you can pour your heart out but her reasoning will block out you send her after nine o'clock but what they're singing about so this doesn't make won't make sense to everyone so he says uh when she's pressed the star after she's pressed unlock that was how you unlocked a nokia phone so you pressed <laughs> the unlock button a star and saying like, and there's verses and chapters set in her inbox. So he's like, he's singing about a girl unlocking her phone and finding a bunch of text messages from a drunk guy. Mm-hmm. So saying like, his verses and chapters. He's imagining he is talking about these beautiful things, and and he, you know, he's obviously trying to to go to her house after being out on the town. Right? It's a booty call, I suppose. And mm-hmm. it's just this idea that in his mind. Uh, it is he's give he is like professing his love for her, but she's saying that she just blocks anything that he will send her after nine o'clock because there's no point reading those messages because they're useless. Yeah, and it it does this great thing of so it starts the idea of like the drinking and the the partying idea of the those themes, but also sets that nostalgia for me and is a really excellent opening for the way that it sounds and it and it, it instantly shows you. 
this is something different. We are making a statement with this first song. Like, you are in for a real time. Yeah. And then... Yeah, and the texting and the Nokia, it really, I guess it, it captures, you know, the, the, the late 90s, early 2000 kind of generation. Mm-hmm. And it really, yeah, I, I agree. It really brings back the kind of memory. <laughs> so this song then goes into, um, like, most likely uh, the Arctic Monkeys' most popular song, um, which is called yeah. I Bet That You Look Good on the Dance Floor. And, yep. like, this is the song. So this was, like, the big track that everyone knew. It's the one that everyone still goes crazy for when they play live. Everyone knows that opening riff. When it pops, like people just go mad for it, um, mm-hmm. and it's just absolutely like just killer. And this song has on it one of my other favorite lines on the album, which is a thing that they employ a couple of times throughout this, and they do it in other albums as well. Um, and it's he's uh, one of the lines is uh, "Your name isn't Rio, but I don't care for sand," which is a reference to the Duran Duran song Rio. Her name is Rio and she dances in the sand is the lyric that is in that song. So they take it, they twist it, they and they refer back to like, you know, potential influence, influences of them or just stuff that they knew from their childhood. But it's one of those lyrics that is completely thrown away unless you know the Duran Duran song. Like you wouldn't even notice it. <laughs> I never knew what this was about. There you go. You can look up the song now. It, it, to say it goes, her name is Rio and she dances in the sand. So it's like, I, her, your name isn't Rio, but I don't care for sand. So it's like, you aren't the girl from that song, but that doesn't matter to me anyway because I don't like sand. And it, mm-hmm. it's just a great way of yeah. saying that, you know, you're not every girl, but you're the one that I want or the one that I like. And But saying it in this way, uh, which wouldn't make sense unless you know it, unless you know the song. Like the line, you wouldn't even understand it, but it doesn't matter anyway because it doesn't detract from it. Um, mm-hmm. And then the backing vocals for this song come from the drummer, Matt Helders. Yes. As many of the backing vocals do. And the reason that I say this is because I want to just point Matt Helders out as the thing that's changed the most um, over their career, which is his talent and his skill. So... On this album, the drumming is good and uh, it bites in places and it and it has, you know, there are some flourishes in here that are excellent. But Helders was a good drummer. Um, he is now an excellent drummer. He's a world-class mm-hmm. drummer. Uh, and one of the ways that, that this really showed itself was the band's second album. Uh, the, the first single was a song called Brian Storm, which has these incredible drumming solos in. And I remember Enemy saying that, like, you know, Helders has arrived. Like, when, mm-hmm. when this, when, like, the, this, this was first coming out, everyone was like, his skills have just increased. And every year, um, maybe for the, the next two or three albums, that was a line in every single enemy review of the album. But one of my favorite stories that I read about him, so as the band was getting cooler and everyone was like starting to dress nicer, they were getting sex appeal, right? Like to the point now mm-hmm. where like Alex Turner is yeah. sex appeal, you know? That is kind of the yeah. way that he shows himself on stage with 
like the Elvis hips and the, the leather jackets and stuff like that. He combs his hair on stage, uh, which you know all of these things that I know exactly why people hate it. But as the rest of the band was changing in that way, he actually regressed because as he was starting to wear tighter-fitting clothes and things like that, he found that this actually restricted his ability to to do his job, to to drum. So he now, still to this day, wears uh, T-shirts and tracksuit bottoms, like sweatpants, when he plays live. So he can play properly. That's a that's a physical limitation when you're a drummer and you need to move, you know, like a drummer, you need to perform with that kind of movement and and skill. I mean, of course, you don't want to wear tight fitting pants. <laughs> but yeah. I, it's probably not something that can be said for all drummers. Probably, but not all drummers are Matt Helders. So exactly, <laughs> yeah. And the next song on the album is Fake Towns of San Francisco, which I've already spoken about why I love that song. And it's it's for the, the lyrics that I love because, you know, people lying to get girls is just a funny thing. Then after this point, there are a couple of, you know, there, there are some songs that, that are good, but they're not um, massive favorites of mine. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we go into Riot Van, which is basically a ballad about going out at night. Um, and it's it's a ballad about guys getting into trouble. Uh, yes. So it's a sad song, which is written from the idea of being chased by police and getting caught by police and like put in a van <laughs> and being taken away. And like a, you know, the guy, the, the person that is being the song is about is uh, he's very cheeky and he attempts to talk back to the police, uh, yeah. but ends up just getting arrested anyway. But and I wanted to point this one out just because the idea of the song is so funny to me. Yeah. No, I, I love when uh, when the when the song goes. Have you been drinking, son? You don't look old enough to me. I yeah. just. I'm sorry, officer. Is there a certain yes. age I'm supposed to be? Because nobody told me. That's the way that he sings that, and the music, like how the song kind of flows into that part. Uh, it's always been a favorite of mine from from the entire album. Have you been drinking, son? You don't look old enough to me. I'm sorry, officer, is there a certain age you're supposed to be? Because nobody told me. And the image of, a, of, you know, these young kids being arrested and trying to talk back to the police officer. Like, I try to imagine the scene, like you can smell the alcohol inside the van. <laughs> and yep. It just makes me laugh every time. But you did pick out that, that, that whole line, that flowing line is so excellent and very beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it works very well. Like, you know, it's like, it's, nobody told me. You know, it's mm-hmm. that idea of trying to use that as <laughs> yes. a part of an excuse, but part of just trying to, to talk back to the police. So the next song uh, is called Red Light Indicates Doors Are Secured. See, I never, I never been into this song too much. I'm going to tell you why I love it and maybe I'll change okay. your mind. So I actually think as a accomplishment of again like i'm looking at these track listings there are this is a 13 song album and there are five songs in this album that go over three minutes everything else is under three minutes long which i'd never really noticed before but these songs are incredibly fast and and but Mm -hmm. anyway so this one red light indicates doors are secured this is a two minute and 24 second song and this entire thing is probably the best accomplishment of lyrics on the album 
the entire thing. There is better writing throughout the whole album. But this one is so excellent because if you understand the context uh, and the way that, I guess, guys talk to each other, you mm. will see the beauty in the writing. So this is from written from the perspective of someone who is just getting into and then riding a taxi cab home at the end of the night. So... What's so great about this about this song is that during this song, Alex goes from narration to talking to a friend to talking to the cab driver, but he does it all interspersed of each other. For example, like so, it starts off: "Ask if we can have six in. If not, we'll have to have two. You'll come out to our end, aren't you? So I'll get one with you." So he's basically starting off by saying. Can we have six people in the cab? If not, we'll just have to have two people because we'll have to split them. And then you're coming up to our end, aren't you? Main means like you're coming to stay at mine. So I'll just get a cab with you. And then it goes on. Oh, he won't let us have six in, especially not with the fo- food. He could have just told us no, though. He didn't have to be rude. So like he won't let have six people in. They're eating because they've just been on the night out. So they've got like mm-hmm. pieces and chips or whatever. And he won't let all the cab driver won't let everyone in. Uh, and then he goes on. I'm going to read so much of this one. So, you see her in the green dress. She talked to me at the bar. How come it's already £2.50? We've only gone about a yard. What he's doing is he's pointing to a girl in the green dress. Oh, she talked to me at the bar. He's bragging to his friends about it. But then he's shouting at the cab driver. How come we're already up to £2.50 on this journey? We've only gone a yard. Mm-hmm. Then he goes back saying, didn't you see she was gorgeous? She were beyond belief. But this lad on the side drinking a smell of ice came and paid for a tropical reef. Like, he is... Then going back to bragging, um, and then it goes like, and I'm sitting going backwards, and I didn't want to leave, and I said, it's high green, mate, via Hillsborough, please. So he's sitting backwards, because he is sitting on, he's in a black cap, and he's sitting on the chairs that fold down, and he's going backwards. And then he's shouting back at the, the cab driver. And there's just so much of this, like, throughout the whole song, where he is going from backwards to forwards, and, like, talking to different people and about different people. And then right at the very end, um, they decide that they're just going to jump. They're going to jump it, which means they've got to run off. Um, But then the song ends by mimicking the title of the song. It's, It's really the story of a night out with friends. Can you relate to this kind of story? 100%. It is the story of the story. They are debriefing in the in the on the way home he is talking about uh people we saw fighting which was hilarious uh and he's talking about missed opportunities of girls whether true or not it is this is exactly the kind of conversation that me and my friends would have on our way home in a taxi cab mm-hmm. it's perfect uh then um another, another one i want to mention is marty bum uh this is another massive fan favorite and it is yes. just a great story of a couple having an argument. Uh, and throughout this whole song, it's, it's very calm, very serene. It's like melodic. And it is Alex Turner trying to remember the good things in his relationship with his, with his other half, rather than focus on the fact that his partner is annoyed at him. And he's trying to remind her of it too, to make the anger go away. And, and he's really trying... Uh, like throughout like you know the, the first minute and a half and then all of a sudden the drums and guitar kick up a gear and like really speed up and get like aggressive and you've got the face on and yeah I'm sorry I was late 
because he is getting angry. So this whole time, they're in this argument. You can imagine that his girlfriend is really annoyed at him. She's ignoring him. She's like shouting at him, and he's trying to be like, "Oh, don't worry about it." And then it, he, like he gets, he feels like he's had enough, and then he says, "I'm sorry, I was late. I missed the train, and the traffic was a state. I can't be asked to carry on in this debate that reoccurs when you say I don't care, but of course I do. I clearly do." So you can see what's happened is he was late. For and she doesn't trust where he's been, whether she should or not, we don't know. Uh, and then he's and in this scenario, I think he's been up to no good, right? Uh, because mm-hmm. he's tried to be so nice, but then he just can't do it anymore because she's like pushing off of his buttons. Yeah. And like, you know, he just doesn't want to keep having this argument, which happens every single time, uh, you know, because I do care about you, I really do care about you. And it's just this great way mm-hmm. of like finishing it off, uh, and then it just kind of tails off. It's a great song. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but Muddy Bomb is like someone who complains a lot. Yeah, like it's like an expression, of like yeah, it's someone like who moans a lot, like yeah, and they just want to argue, I guess. But it is that yeah. this is a North of England saying for sure. Like, mm-hmm. This is one of those ones where they wrote they wrote a whole song about it. They mention it a bunch, but like it only makes sense. Like the term itself, like you can infer from it as we both have, but the term itself is known to people from a very specific part of the world. When you refer to, you know, they're from Sheffield and you can tell by the accent and some of the words they use. To people like me, we're, from, we're not from the UK, so it just sounds like English. Yep. What's how do you relate to the regional difference between where you're from and where these guys are from? Is it strange sometimes? Is it like, is it something that you really notice? Oh, notice it completely. Uh, like you can just really, you can just hear it. Like you can just hear the difference. You know, it's there. Like, and you can hear that they're just coming from different, like backgrounds and things like that to maybe other people in mm-hmm. England, other people in the UK. And, and you can really hear that in the lyrics that they choose and the way that they choose uh, to sing the songs that I do. So I do have a couple more tracks that I do want to get to. Uh, but before we do that, let me just thank our friends over at Squarespace for helping support this episode as well. You can start building your website today at squarespace.com and use the offer code question at checkout and that will get you 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. When it comes to finding a place for yourself on the internet, I believe that Squarespace is the place that you should be looking at because they give you everything that you're going to need. They give you all of the tools, easy to use, intuitive tools that you're going to need to make your website look and feel exactly how you want. They give you fantastic hosting. They ensure security and stability. They're trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world. And they do all of this whilst taking away the stuff you don't want to have to worry about, like hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck with something. You also don't need to know any code or have to bother doing any code if you have a Squarespace site because they take care of all of that stuff for you. All of their stunning templates feature responsive web design. They look great on all sizes of device. And they have templates for all different types of things. Maybe you want a portfolio. They have templates for businesses. They have templates for musicians. Maybe you want to announce a wedding or something like that. They have templates for all of these types of things. But they're also adaptable that you can adjust them to whatever you want your website to be. I mentioned about like having a store. You can have a business on Squarespace. We they have our commerce platform with Squarespace on their fantastic commerce stuff. We sell T-shirts and stickers over at Relay FM, and we use Squarespace for that because they do it better than we ever could. Squarespace have live twenty. 
24-7 support through chat and email. They have teams located in New York, Dublin, and Portland who are there to help you whenever you need it. They have their cover page functionality that allows you to build great-looking single-page websites, and they have so much more with their dev platform as well. So if you do want to tinker around in the code that's something you're comfortable with, it's something you want to do, you can do that and push your Squarespace site further than ever before. But you don't have to. I never have, and I've always been super happy with their drag-and-drop tools. If you sign up for a year, you'll also get yourself a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called and their plans start at just $8 a month. You can sign up right now with a no credit card required trial. And you can start building your website today by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code QUESTION to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you so much to Squarespace for helping out today. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So I want to talk about two very quickly, and then we'll talk about the last song. So When the Sun Goes Down is another true anthem, and Turner is singing about a scumbag and a prostitute that the scumbag visits. Um who seems to be a girl that Turner, or the character that he's playing, wants this girl to be in a better position than she is. And mm-hmm. there's two reasons I wanted to bring this up. Um, the, the second is to highlight the second time that uh, Turner uses a lyric from another song um, to great effect. So saying about the guy, uh, this scumbag who visits prostitutes, uh, he told Roxanne to put on her red light, yes. which is yeah. just so fantastic. He's referencing the police's Roxanne. Um, and it's just another turn of phrase that he uses so well. And then the other song, I just wanted to highlight a lyric from The Ritz to the Rubble, um, which is, the first, as I say, the first Arctic Monkeys song that I heard. And it's the, the, the opening line, because um, these words, they like tumble out of his mouth. Uh, and he says, last night, these two bouncers, and one of them's all right, the other one's a scary, and his way or no way totalitarian. And it's just like, you know, he says like, scary and like like scary and and like go together so you know he's like mm-hmm. using a like a dialect thing but then it says totalitarian like so they rhyme which makes them so beautiful but it's also a real juxtaposition in the way that he chooses to say things and it's you know it's just really interesting to me and i and i love the way that this starts and there's lots of great lyrics in this as well but also the way this song builds um to show the danger yeah. is is yeah. excellent and then the last song I'll mention, because I'm sure I'm boring people to death, is A Certain Romance, which does something which I really love um, in Arctic Monkey songs, these like false starts and false ends that they have. So in a, there's a yeah. song earlier called Perhaps Vampires is a Bit Strong, but uh, and in this song they do a, a great false end to it, where um, the, the track has a very long instrumental and comes to an end. But then Turner shouts, Oh, you people are vampires. And then it just yes. kicks off again. Oh, you people are vampires. And it basically, it sounds like he's shouting it from the other side of the room. And everyone goes mm-hmm. great. Like, everyone just kicks back in and it goes up a notch. And they do this a bunch throughout their music. And that's what I call like, the Arctic Monkey's full start a false end and they do a full start in a certain romance where it starts off really heavy like really heavy yep. um, there are like crashing symbols and but then it just like just drops and it's very calm and it, the, the rest of the song is very calm uh, up until the end again where it rises to a powerful fast drumming 
guitar, which mirrors the opening of this song. It also mirrors the opening of the album, um, and it's a great sandwich for it. Uh, And there's one other lyric that I love in A Certain Romance, which does a great way of summing up the time again. And also a frustration that you can hear is in this album about where music is. And uh, Turner sings, there's only music so that there's new ringtones, which is just so perfect. Like, so there's new ringtones, like that is a thing. So because people were programming ringtones into their phones, or this was just also at the start of people buying MP3 ringtones. And it was like music at this point is just formulaic and it only exists for people to put on their as their phone ringtone because that was in it, like a whole industry of, in and of itself. And it was like, you know, this is where music is today. And like this was, you know, what they're responding to. And I just think it's so fantastic. So that is my thorough review of my favorite songs on this album. That was, I, I, I've been listening to this album for um, 10, nine years. And you uncovered, the, some of the details and like little images of these albums and the story in the songs, like I've been listening to you and it's super fascinating as an Arctic Monkeys fan, but as someone who doesn't live in the UK and doesn't understand some of the realities and like the details of the differences between, you know, the different regions of the UK or like the black caps, I never had a, had a clue about this so listening to you explain what it means it was super awesome mike it was important for me to go through it in this way because yeah i mean you you brought that kind of context that i've been looking for in like since 2006 so i've been looking at the lyrics while you were explaining the songs and i'm just nodding and remembering like the songs in context now that you explained them it was super fantastic man because it's just important to me because i know that a lot of people that listen to this are american and and this this album part of this album's glory is in its is in the context that you have for it and you can appreciate it for what yeah. it is and it's why like am is is a lot less about this because they are not from there anymore um mm. they they are people that spend most of their life away from england now they're touring they're performing they're doing whatever it is that they do and also am and and, and i don't think that that's you know and really is up until AM until a lot of that stuff starts to fall away. And I don't think that the album, you know, as I say, I think the album is fantastic, but they're just coming from a different perspective now, which makes total sense because they're not trying to be something that they're not, as many artists try and do. They're, they're being true to who they are now. Um, and I don't think that that is any, uh, I don't think there's any coincidence that AM is the first Arctic Monkeys album to be really successful in America. So, Mike, are you proud of this album choice? I am. Um, I am for a, a bunch of different reasons. Um, I hope that m- there are people that have listened to this that will now listen to this album. Uh, and it's something that I'm proud of. It's an album that I've shown to people. Um, and I, you know, I have no reservation showing it to people because I actually just think it's great. Um, it's not a guilty pleasure for me. I think it's just a fantastic album. And I'm proud of it because it does a lot to sum up my overall taste in music, which is this type of indie rock music, has been the persistent type of music that I've loved for nearly 10 years. Um, you know, this, next year this album celebrates its 10-year anniversary, and it was kind of my real introduction into the type of music that has been the most persistent to me throughout my life. And I just think that fundamentally this is just a fantastic album. They do such a great job of creating 
interesting sounding music, but doing it with a real heart and soul, which I think is devoid from even a lot of this type of indie rock music. And one of the great things about Alex Turner and why he speaks to me so much of his musician is because he's a poet. Like he has the ability to turn phrases, which are just so incredible. And he seems to really care about lyrics because he doesn't just write songs that sound good they also have these incredible meanings and to me that is just so important to the way that i like to listen to music um and they nail it on every front and it's why they are my favorite band of all time and why this is my favorite album. 